Hello and welcome to Dialogue. As government deficit spending hits a legislated cap, the Biden administration had grappled with lifting the debt ceiling. That's a limit the U.S. House of Representatives last set at $31.4 trillion in 2021. Now there's a little time and a wiggle room as the Treasury Secretary Janet Yellen warned of a possible default as early as June 1st. The Republican-led House is not about to budge on the debt ceiling, at least not without extracting concessions from the White House on spending cuts. Without a compromise inside, could this lead to a debt ceiling crisis similar to the one in 2011? Why keep the debt ceiling at all if it has fallen short of reining in public debt? And what are the dire consequences for U.S. debt default? To answer these questions and more, I'm joined by Anna Tangen, independent current affairs commentator, Anthony Chan, former J.P. Morgan chief economist, and Dai Xiangfeng, a portfolio manager. That's our topic. I'm Xu Qingdu. Well, welcome to Dialogue. Uh, Anna, we'll start with you. You know, like uh, this is a hot topic, you know, whether to raise or abolish, you know, uh, suspend even the uh, debt ceiling. Uh, first of all, you know, what is a debt ceiling? Why there is a debt ceiling in the first place? Well, they decided it's, it's stop me before I spend again. <laughs> it's, it's basically what it comes down to. Uh, the law has been in place for a long period of time, and basically it says, uh, you know, you can't borrow beyond a certain limit, and that has to be approved by Congress. Now, it is within Congress's purview uh, because uh, the Constitution's call for all uh, finance bills to go through it. So they're the purse of the United States. But, you know, there's, there's a larger issue here, Jinjua. I mean, if you look at it, since 2001, the U.S. has been running a deficit. Um, during, uh, since 2009, it's, in essence, tripled its deficit. Now, if, if we were to take the U.S. government out of the equation, I would tell you, you know, I would describe this as a Ponzi scheme. Basically, you're borrowing money to pay off money that you don't have. Mm -hmm. So, okay, Anthony, uh, there's a real issue of the rising debt. So probably in that sense, the debt ceiling, the debt limit, I mean, does have a, a significant uh, meaning or function here. Well, it is an opportunity uh, for both parties to negotiate on how much faster you allow that debt to grow. But you can't lose sight of the fact that uh, we're arguing about whether to pay the debts that were already incurred. This is not really just about future spending, even though in the negotiations it's about future spending, but it's about should we pay all the obligations that we've already incurred? And I think in that sense, uh, it should not be a debate. We should always pay our debt. Uh, and then the second, second question would be, do we want to talk about how much faster to grow that debt? That's the way to proceed in my judgment. Mm, uh, thank you for the breakdown of the issue. Uh, Xianfeng, of course, you know, like, uh, you know, you, you, there is a bill. I mean, as the biggest economy in the world, of course, you don't want to lose the credibility. You know, I will be able to, I will pay the bill. But if there is a default, what are the consequences for the U.S., for example? The uh, immediate consequence uh, would be pretty severe. Uh, you know, it, it, it really never happened before. And uh, you, just, you just look at the history, you know, when the market, uh, look at the market volatility uh, back in uh, 2011, uh, that gives you an uh, indication of what's going to happen. Uh, you know, the equity market is, is going to go down. Uh, the rates probably going to uh, go up at the beginning. But as 
the impact for the global economy began to you know, present itself, uh, ironically, the U.S. Treasury yield could go down again. Uh, you know, dollar could go down as well. Um, there will be a lot of volatility um, mm, but basically, if it ha- happens. Right. So, Anna, if there is a, I mean, uh, unprecedented default here, uh, something similar would be 2011. Uh, if I'm not wrong, there's a couple, of, a few days, you know, for federal workers even uh, to be laid off because we are not able to pay, right? How, how big an issue is that? Well, it, it, it's a huge issue. I mean, but it goes way beyond uh, anything that is going to happen internally within the government. You know, you have to remember that 75% of this debt is held by uh, U.S. individuals and institutions. Only 25% is held uh, internationally. Um, there, I would agree with my colleague, there would be a run on the dollar. Uh, you really see uh, some very sharp uh, uh, reactions to this. Remember, the uh, U.S. is 4.5% of the world's population, but consumes 20%. If 5% of that went away, all right, it would have devastating impact uh, on the world. And you'd see the world plunge not into a recession, but a depression. The U.S. Uh, would lead the way. Um, but, you know, it's kind of one of these things where you, you have these two political parties basically trying to rearrange the political deck chairs as, they, uh, as the Titanic is sinking. Uh, it, it's, it's almost unfathomable to people outside the United States that they would be, you know, this irresponsible. Uh, in terms of, you know, the, the what's happening globally. And that goes to the Fed raising rates as well. I mean, uh, a lot of uh, the problems that we currently have are the fact that they made the safest asset in the world, the U.S. Treasury, into a toxic asset in the space of a year. Hard to believe, right? Yeah. Yeah, uh, Feng, you know, uh, like, uh, so this is a, obviously the real a big impact on the U.S. as well as the, the, the economy. Uh, but the thing is, that, like, you know, 2011, uh, the U.S. avoided, uh, let's say, an official default. But why this time around the people are paying so much attention to that? You know, I, I would say many people probably would be, uh, as they say, quietly optimistic at the last minute there will be a deal to avoid default. Is that the case? Uh, I think the baseline uh, will be the case. Um, that, that, you know, right now, uh, if you look at the, uh, the market participants, uh, the market players, uh, that's exactly what you said. Uh, everybody was worried. It's, it's really the topic of the day. You know, I'm, you know, I'm a portfolio manager, I manage money. Uh, if you talk to investors, uh, that's really, you know, what it has been on their minds almost all day long. Um, and then you look at the markets, uh, the markets behave a little bit different, right? The equity market has been, actually has been pretty resilient. Uh, you know, take S&P 500 index, for example. Um, and then the only, only thing that kind of a, a remote, you know, re- reflect this uh, would be the, uh, the race market, the treasury, U.S. treasury markets, right? the treasury yield. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, 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 you know, it, it kind of go down a little bit. Yeah, so, and so, also the dollar, the dollar kind of go down. Mm, right? So you are basically saying that even, I mean, the talk of it, I mean, the time running to, uh, say, the, 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 um, the deadline, for example, June the 1st, even the discussion, even the talk, uh, the coverage of this issue is creating some chaos. Can we say that? Oh, not chaos, probably. Yeah. It, it, yeah. You know, potentially you could as another logic behind uh, potential market volatility. Uh, volatility. Meaning, mm-hmm. uh, when the two parties 
you know, it's game theory, almost like a game theory scenario. Uh, no one wants to, you know, uh, back down. Now it probably takes a significant market volatility to really convey the seriousness of this mm-hmm. and then push mm-hmm. uh, the deal in the final minutes, right? That's, a, that's another logic, you know, when the markets look at this. The market does not do this like, in, in, on purpose, but the end result probably will be like this, mm-hmm. right? It takes a significant volatility to reach a deal. To reach a deal. Uh, uh, so Anthony, so obviously this is an issue, I mean, that's maybe budget issue or economic issue or market issue, but at the same time, it's a, it's a political issue. Tell us how different is now in terms of politics, in terms of uh, probably, I don't know, overall environment, for example, atmosphere. How different is it from 2011? Well, I think that uh, the degree of polarization in the United States today is much greater today than it was in 2011. And that's the reason why so many people are talking about it, because it makes them nervous. But with all the scenarios that uh, everyone is discussing, they're all true. Uh, it could lead to disastrous uh, uh, situation. But you have to keep in mind that the question is, uh, does the U.S. default for 12 hours, 24 hours, 36 hours? Uh, the worst case scenario is that default just lingers on. Chances are that if you get a default, it's very temporary. And people can talk about all the different scenarios. You won't pay the interest on your debt. Uh, but that is kind of silly about not paying interest on the debt, because if you look at the the amount of uh, interest payments, uh, it's a small fraction of the revenues the government receives. So they can easily pay uh, the debt uh, interest rates uh, uh, and continue to move on. What will change, of course, is uh, how much the government can spend on goods and services and laying people off. And if you look at that because you can't borrow money, then you can cause uh, real GDP in a given quarter if it lasts for protracted amount of time to drop anywhere from 6 to 8%. That's a possibility. But the question is, does anybody really believe that, that if the federal government defaults that it will last months, quarters, years? Of course not. It's not going to last that, that long. Uh, it'll be resolved. And so these uh, scenarios are all true about uh, doomsday, but it all depends on how long or if uh, the U.S. government defaults in the first place. Because yesterday, in the last 24 hours, the Senate my minority leader uh, McConnell said there is not going to be a default. And even McCarthy, who's uh, really been uh, really aggressive at fighting this debate, has said there's not likely uh, the U.S. cannot go into a default. So and, and of course, the president said absolutely no default. So with all these voices being heard, I think that the odds of a, a protracted uh, default that lasts an indefinite period of time that can uh, really lead to all these doomsday scenarios is uh, uh, a, a bit of a long shot. Anthony, are you saying that, uh, you know, the, the, I mean, the leaders from the Congress, of course, the president, they are trying to present an image of being responsible in terms of uh, the budget issue or the deficit issue here? I think that they're both trying to further their negotiating positions. Obviously, the Republicans want a severe cut. Some are talking about cutting government expenditures by five to 1% increase with an inflation rate of growing 4 to 6%. We know that's real deep cuts. It's going to be very painful. And in a polarized political environment, the opposing party does benefit if you cut government expenditures. It slows down the economy. 
then you can blame the incumbent political party for the slowdown in the economy. So you can see these political dynamics at, at, at work here. Uh, so, Anna, you are, you are waking your, uh, you know, can your hand say? Well, I mean, the, the, the U.S. Uh, budget is basically 60-39, and 60 percent is, um, you know, things mandatory expenditures, 30 percent is discretionary, and about 9 percent is for the, uh, for the debt. So it's, it's not a small number at all. And the idea that it, it, it could violate, uh, you know, the terms of the repayment is something that's going to be, um, affect a lot of people. Back in 2011, they estimated back then, remember, the, the uh, deficit has tripled since then, that it cost $1.4 billion immediately, and then uh, it had long-term significant uh, effects uh, when, um, I think it was not Moody's, but uh, S&P uh, downgraded the debt. So th this is not something, and you, you can talk about it's temporary. This is not temporary. What you're dealing with is the full faith and credit of the United States. Remember how many trillions of dollars are floating around the world, all right? And it's all based on this idea that it's a safe currency. But between the interest rate hikes, the inability to deal with this factionalism, and the fact is, and I agree with uh, Anthony on this, it's politics. They're all gearing up for the 2024 election. Who can blame who for what's going to go bad? But no one has a plan how to do better. But, but you mean for the Republicans, I mean, uh, the, the, the ask, they're, they're asking for uh, spending cuts. I think there's a point because obviously the debt, given how rapidly it's, it has been increasing, you know, from what you said, 1990s uh, or 2000, early 2000. So, I mean, it's unsustainable, let's say. It's unsustainable. But then you have to get into what is the definition or the role of government. You have 10.1% of the people under the poverty line in the U.S., all right? You have homeless people, what everyone is talking about. You're, you're, you're saying that there's tremendous social issues, and you say, well, we can't pay for those, right? Uh, we can pay for massive increases in defense spending and missiles. It can send billions of dollars, approximately about $5 billion a month, uh, to Ukraine. But they can't figure out how to run the own, their own country. So at, at this juncture, you know, people are looking at this. And I, uh, the reason I said it, you know, it's probably controversial, is that barring this, was, if this was not the U.S., if it was some other country, I mean, the markets would be saying this is a pure Ponzi scheme. They're just borrowing money to pay money they don't have. So, I mean, at some point, this is going to erode the full, uh, you know, the, the sense of the U.S. as a, a rock. You're already seeing de-dollarization uh, happening. And it's a shame because there's really nothing uh, that can take over from the role of the dollar in a crisis. It's going to be a patchwork at best, and it's going to have tremendous, uh, you know, repercussions on the international uh, economic scenario. Mm -hmm. Uh, well, Xianfeng, of course, you know, this is a topic not only uh, limited inside of the U.S., but also you, you look at the global community, people are also talking about that as we are covering this issue because obviously, you know, 25% of the debt comes from overseas. Uh, you know, biggest holders like uh, Japan, China, for example, they are also concerned with the situation. In what way they will be impacted? Uh, the... Uh like Anthony just said earlier, I, I, I agree. Uh, default, if ever happens, most likely it's technical default, right? It, it, you know, it, it, probably a couple of days at most, it'll be temporary. Uh, so the, the debt itself, uh, in terms of the losses, um, you know, the interest paid, or, you know, principal paid, I, I don't think that's a, 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 a big deal at all. Um, people are going to get paid. 
uh, I mean countries. Um, the impact mostly will be uh, through the asset price. Uh, you know, the equity markets could go down. Uh, the, you know, the, the uh, yield could go up. Therefore, the cherry bonds price could go down. So you get a hit by valuation. Uh, another layer uh, after the financial market volatility, potentially, uh, the real economy, I mean, the global economy could get hit as well, right? So that's really uh, what I think uh, the worst case scenario. Uh, the money, you know, the people are going to make a hole. Uh, the U.S. government is not, you know, this is going to pay the interest and principal uh, at the end of the day. Mm-hmm. But still, I mean, the debt issue, it is a big issue, right? I mean, if you look at probably right now, it's $32 trillion and it will increase for the next few years or next decade. It will be much, much larger. Uh, do, are people worried about whether the U.S. will be able to pay off the debt? Yeah, the, the debt issue is, is, is a complicated topic. Right, so U.S. right now is number two uh, after Japan uh, in terms of debt to GDP ratio. Uh, you know, Japan is the highest. So Japan, you know, has like 255 percent of GDP. Uh, U.S. right now is anywhere between you know, probably 130 or 140 percent. That's a lot. Right? You know, as you know, my colleague said earlier, it increased a lot during the past few years, um, but. Where is the limit? That's really the the problem, right? So, you know, there's an academic study uh, uh, about this before saying maybe 77% would be the limit in, in terms of, uh, you know, if the debt exceeds 77% of the GDP, it might begin to impact the growth, to slow down the growth. So that's that's where the study comes from. Uh, another indicator, indicator would be Inflation, right? That goes to you know the uh, uh, modern monetary theory that, that became popular a couple of day, a couple of years ago. Uh, so before 2022, uh, there's no inflation uh, in U.S. Therefore, people say, okay, you know, the Federal Reserve can uh, carry on with a loose monetary policy, right? and you know the the, the, uh, the deficit is fine. Um, you know. It, 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 since 2022, inflation become problem. So this could be an indication of uh, the, the, the debt limit as well. Right? So overall, I would say uh, you know, 130%, 140% uh, of GDP, that's pretty high. Um, but as long as the inflation you know, is under control, uh, you know, it probably is going to be okay. Uh, you know, Japan is one example uh, for the advanced countries. Okay. Anna, you, you disagree? Well, yeah. Inflation isn't under control, okay? And we already saw what uh, the Fed uh, increases to rates did to uh, banks and is continuing to do to banks. So, you know, by uh, my colleague's scenario, if uh, increase in rates goes up a lot, those, uh, those treasuries are even more toxic. So everyone holding them is going to take a haircut. Uh, if they try to sell them. And, you know, there's, there's, I'm, my colleagues are talking about the very short term, all right? And, you know, I was an investment banker at one time, and I understand that you look quarter to quarter, maybe a year in advance. But we're really talking about a long-term situation. This has not been something that happened yesterday. It's been happening over the years. I keep saying deficit tripled, all right? 
um, the borrowing deficit tripled since 2009. That is a scary thing, given that every year the U.S. has been in deficit. So they haven't been meeting current obligations. They've tripled um, their debt, and they're now in a situation where they're literally going to have to borrow to pay the interest on the debt. Remember, by increasing the rates, that affects the U.S. government, too, because they have to increase the amount of money that they're putting out. They're doing some uh, fiscal things, uh, monetary things, to control that by uh, trying to release uh, more funds into the market to drive down the prices. But that only lasts for so long. I mean, you can, you can have gimmicks and tricks. You can talk about, you know, getting to crisis and getting over it. But long term, the U.S. is in a very bad situation because it doesn't seem to be able to address the very things you were talking about in terms of what is the future for the U.S.? Mm-hmm. Uh, Anthony, what's uh, your understanding? What's the future of the, you know, the debt issue? Uh, of, uh, and also there is a related issue like, uh, you know, whether this uh, default or this debt issue somehow uh, erode confidence uh, for global investors in the U.S. as uh, Treasury, for example? Well, there's no question that a default or even the possibility of default does erode confidence. But you have to remember, since 1960, we've increased the national uh, debt ceiling 78 times. So we've been on this road before. I don't disagree with the view that we have a problem with the debt and it's growing. It's growing uncontrollably and we need to do something because what happens if you want to take the long-term position is that over the, over the last couple of decades, what we've seen is that during good times, Republicans want to cut taxes, which increase the deficit. I know they argue that it pays for itself, but those those results have not shown to be the case. And the Democrats want to increase spending because they want to uh, help all the problems that have been discussed today, homelessness, uh, social inequality, things like that. And then during rough times, then everybody panics, both Democrats and Republicans, and they want to stimulate the economy. But again, that scenario says the deficit gets bigger during good times, and it gets big, even bigger during bad times. And over the long period of time, you have exactly the scenario that's been described, that we have an uncontrollable uh, increase in the debt situation. But as as you heard before from one of my colleagues, our national debt is bad, but in Japan, the debt-to-GDP ratio is not a little worse. It's twice as worse. The debt, the ratio is uh, it's a 2x compared to the United States. So, yes, we're getting worse, and yes, we need to fix it, but it's even worse in Japan. And so far, Japan seems to keep going. Not to say that that's a reason for complacency, but that's a fact. Uh, Anthony, you know, we, we talked about uh, the politics. It's, it's, you know, it's, it's more like a political issue here, the Republicans and Democrats. I mean, how likely this time around uh, they are going to like uh, strike a deal at the last minute to avoid default or to, uh, probably to keep a, just to have a short period of time, uh, you know, technical default, and then they will focus on the uh, uh, debt issue or the deficit issue. Uh, long-term to avoid probably the sharp increase of debt? Uh, I'm, I hate to disappoint you, but politicians never think of the long-term. They always think about doing everything at the last minute. Um, if we get a deal, it'll probably be in the last two weeks before June 1st. If we don't get a deal, it, it'll be to extend the debt ceiling uh, maybe uh, three to six months and then fight it again. So I wish that politicians on both sides of the aisle would think long-term, as your question implies, but they don't. And that's the reason why the U.S. has such a serious problem, because there's nobody out there, Democrat or Republican, that thinks long-term, and they should be. Mm, long, uh, so they're think, not thinking long-term. 
Uh, but they are going to meet again on Tuesday. President Biden met uh, 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 Kevin McCarthy right. from the you know, Speaker of the, the House. So they are going to meet again uh, on Friday, but their aides are meeting on a daily basis. So uh, can we expect uh, any short-term pro- the solution or any agreement? No, I don't think so. I think if anything uh, gets put together, it will be in the last uh, day, hours. Uh, of the uh, things going critical. It's basically a game of chicken. Who, you know, two cars driving at each other, who's going to swerve first? Who's going to blink? And that's that's the game of politics. I was a politician. I remember it quite well. But it doesn't serve the people. And that's that's one of the real issues that we have here is that uh, uh, the U.S. is undermining itself without because it doesn't have a long-term a plan, as as my colleague pointed out, <laughs> the deficit goes up during good times. Deficit goes up during bad times. So what's the solution? I, and I don't agree that saying that somebody's worse than us and they're still alive. I I, I don't agree. Um, you know, imagine if the IMF came to the United States. All right. And what would they prescribe? <laughs> They'd say, right. austerity, you need to get your house in order. Uh, but apparently that uh, prescription is only for other countries, not the U.S. Uh, particularly for, for developing countries, yeah. they, are, they are in trouble, right? Uh, here's a, I, I want to have you guys' comments. You know, here's a comments from The Economist magazine uh, focusing on this issue. Uh, here's a, a quote, you know, the, that America requires a serious political debate and bipartisan agreement to put its budget on sounder footing. Alas, its leaders are inclined neither to seriousness nor to agreement. So the lack of seriousness? It's not a lack of seriousness. You know, there's, there's a fundamental misunderstanding. I, politics in the U.S. is ground up. Uh, everyone is looking at their constituents and how they can get reelected. So, I mean, long-term thinking isn't part of it. I mean, you've seen this with populists. Trump promised that there was going to be nirvana, that the, you know, the United States would be number one, that he was going to make it into winner. Remember? He said, you're going to be so tired of winning. All right? Well, so far there haven't been any wins. And there isn't anybody looking long-term, and I agree with Anthony on that. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, Sam, um, so basically, it's, it's just probably will be a temporary problem, but long-term it will be fine, at least. I mean, the, the can will be kicked uh, into the future. Yeah, that, that's the baseline. Uh, I think the, you know, the, the market reaction so far is okay. Uh, you know, 2011, that's probably the first time uh, the U.S. got a serious uh, dead, you know, selling problem. Um, by now, I think the market is sort of getting used to it, uh, has been building uh, relatively optimistic mm-hmm. uh, expectations as of yeah. now. So yeah. anything happens, that's going to be temporary. That's the baseline scenario. Okay. Anthony, you know, there's a talk of the 14th Amendment. Uh, basically, the president will result, uh, resort to this, uh, uh, this, this, this power to bypass this debt ceiling uh, authorization from the Congress. How likely is it? And maybe that would be, that, that's obviously very controversial. It is very controversial, and it's a last-minute, last-resort, break-the-glass uh, type of option. Because first of all, uh, to say to use the Fourteenth Amendment to say that the debt uh, should not be questioned, which is what the Fourteenth Amendment says, uh, that's going to be challenged in the court. And if it goes and gets dragged through the courts, uh, the financial markets will panic even more because there is the perception, whether it's correct or not that the courts are more conservative uh, and uh, and are going to be favoring uh, the Republican position so the financial markets will get nervous. So it is the absolute last resort. Same thing with the platinum coin. 
type of option that people have floated around that somehow the Treasury can issue a, a $1 trillion coin deposit at the Federal Reserve and then all the problems go away. These are all crazy solutions that are last resort. Crazy solutions, you know, that's why Janet Yellen called it, uh, you know, it could be a constitutional crisis if uh, the president uses 14th okay. Amendment. I, I was a lawyer. I know I remember enough about constitutional law. This would be fast-tracked. If he vote the 14th, it would be fast-tracked to the uh, Supreme Court. Given the makeup of the Supreme Court and their literalism, they would not allow this to go through. So I would agree. Markets would be in turmoil. Nothing we think. So you could put it off for a little while, but the crisis remains. Crisis will remain. Well, on that note, we come to the end of today's show. Many thanks to our guests. You can also find us on the CGTN app on YouTube. I'm Xu Qingduo. Thanks for being with us. See you next time.